Hello, everyone. Welcome to Wayne Cathy Show. I'm your host, uh, Wei Fang. And uh, so today I'll bring you two topics. First has to do with uh, Speaker Pelosi's visit to, to Taiwan. And we finally have um, the final word on that. The second is the is old news, but it's very worth uh, rediscovering, which is the um, Senator Joe Manchin's um, blessing of these, uh, the in, in, Inflation Reduction Act. Okay, and then this was uh, basically he okayed it with the Senator um, Schumer about four days ago. So with Joe Manchin's blessing, the chances this Inflation Reduction Act will be passing. <clears throat> I'm sorry, both the Senate and the House in a very quickly, way, very quick way, and Biden will for sure sign that and uh, scoring a major victory before the midterm election for the Democrat Party. And what is it really in it? I think it's really worth opening it up and take a detailed look. Anyway, let's first talk about uh, Pelosi's visit of Asia. I don't know how about you guys, okay? Maybe you don't care as much, but uh, literally Chinese all over the world is watching the news on that, the development of uh, whether Pelosi will be visiting Taiwan or not. Okay, so according to the you know, news of the media, which is they, they broke the news about uh, 10 hours ago, Pelosi will be arriving at 10.30 <coughs> on Tuesday in Taiwan. And he will stay, she will stay there for one night. And next morning, in 8 o'clock, he will be meeting with the Taiwan President uh, Tsai Ing-wen. Then I, my estimate is that he will be go to the Taiwan's con Congress because she's the Speaker of the U.S. Congress. So that's a, how to say, a corresponding institution over there. So he, she will be staying there at least for one day. Okay? So now... Well, people are, what people are guessing is uh, CCP has been so, how to say, outrageous about this. They, they were very harsh. They, they, they say all kinds of threatening words. And they said, uh, you know, wait and see. Dare, how dare you come? Okay, dare you come? We'll see what will happen. Okay? Um, so what would they do? Would they shoot down her airplane? Would they, you know, just um, take any military action? Would they do some drill which, which could, um, you know, create the conflict, military conflict between um, China and the U.S. Uh, Navy there and all the, you know, Taiwan military there? So people are now guessing over that. And how would people, you know, how would the CCP retaliate should Pelosi really land it in Taiwan? Okay, so this is the topic, first topic I want to talk to you. First, okay, first, Pelosi decided to visit Taiwan finally. It's a good thing, okay? Anyway, this is the first time in 25 years, the Speaker of the U.S. Congress, you know, come to Taiwan. The last time is Newt Gingrich in the 1997, okay? However, I'm, well, I just want to try to describe to you that uh, how, how does CCP learn and benefit from this, you know, this back and forth um, process? Um, CCP has really learned a lot, <clears throat> and they, they have been emboldened by this process. Why? because they have seen the weakness in the U.S. Those very subtle places are well captured by the CCP, and then they will use it against us in the future. So what do I mean? All right. So first, okay, um, in the CCP's eyes, no matter how much, developed, uh, how much they have developed, they become number two in the economy and also in military power. However, U.S. is by far still number one. Okay? So... 
U.S. is recognized as the number one power in the world and um, by everybody, including CCP themselves. So for the Speaker of the Congress, of the House, of the number one country in this world, you know, if she wants to come to Taiwan, just come. You know, sh why should we you know, care about the objection of, of CCP? Of course not, unless, unless we're timid, we're uncertain, we're inconfident, right? So actually, from the several behavior of the Pelosi and the President Biden and our military, uh, CCP has read enough. Let me just give you some example. Okay, so Pelosi left the U.S. on Sunday, all right? So before she left, she, you know, she held a press conference, and once she left, she published her itinerary. None of them has to do with Taiwan. So in her open itinerary, there's no Taiwan in it. Even now, even now, it was the media's reporting saying that uh, Pelosi is going to Taiwan, but Pelosi and her team themselves never said this. In another word, they want to do it, but they dare not say it. Okay, this sends a very subtle and a very actually important message to the CCP. Okay, I'll elaborate a little bit later. Okay, the second, second is now Pelosi is in Singapore <clears throat> meeting with the Prime Minister of Singapore. And then now there's a uh, News has leaked out that she's arriving in Taiwan at 10.30 tomorrow night. Is it really 10.30? Nobody know. Again, there's no public announcement. It's just certain media, maybe. They got some, you know, got, some, got this from some insiders. Or maybe just their guess, okay? Anyway, this 10.30 thing is not the official announcement. So just think about that. Since you are coming to Taiwan anyway, why do you have to hide this? Does it really matter? What does, you know... What's the message that you're hiding this is being sent? Okay, just think it over. The third one, uh, the Pentagon said, we are monitoring any move by the CCP against Taiwan 24 around the clock. That's the statement of uh, our Defense Department. Well, it looks like okay, right? However, in the ear of the CCP, uh, Chinese Communist Party, and this kind of speech showing that uh, U.S. is very nervous, okay? We're very nervous. Of course, we're going to monitor their move, their military move, any you know, possible suspicious move against Taiwan, and uh, we just have to do it. We don't have to say it. Why do we want to say everything you know, that we do? Okay? In this kind of situation, we only need to watch them. We don't need to say we're watching them 24 hours. As if when we say that, the impression we cast to the opposite is we are very nervous. We're afraid of them. Okay, the fourth, remember on the July 21st, Biden you know, said, uh, according to military, they said it's not a good idea to go to Taiwan. We don't know whether Biden is just borrowing you know, the, the military's word as excuse or really it was military's uh, thought. But at least we know our president is feeling kind of timid about this, scared about this. And what about our military? Okay, from our you know, defense ministry, minister, and to the, you know, the, the, the chair of the Joint, Joint Chief, and from Afghanistan to Ukraine, we see that how careful our military leaders are. They're not tough type, okay? So their move and also the president's word is also casting a weak, you know, weak, vulnerable um, onto ourselves. The fifth, Pelosi did not just fly directly from Alaska to Hawaii and to Japan. This is much shorter, okay? 
She chose to fly from San Francisco to Hawaii to Singapore, and then come from the south, you know,、um, northward, until she goes to like Taiwan and and Korea, South Korea, and finally Japan. Okay, this is initially twelve thousand kilometers trip. Demonstrate that she wants to take a safe, you know, safe travel route. Well. Understandable, right? She's trying to protect herself, but a signal she'll be sending to the CCP is, I, "I'm not, you know, acting like the Speaker of the House of the most powerful nation in the world." Okay, so why do I care about this kind of,、uh, you know,、uh, traces or li- little behaviors? Because it has to do with、uh, what kind of conclusion that the CCP will draw from such, you know, little details, and it has to do with their act in the future against Taiwan. Okay. And would、uh, you know, military attrition or conflict happen this time? I say no. Okay, won't because CCP is not ready. They have not make makes themselves ready. But whether they would invade Taiwan down the road, I said it's very possible. And if that does happen, it has to do with our government's behavior today and the message it sent. Okay, so why do I say this? Okay, because CCP know that、uh, they are not strong enough. Um, they are not as strong as U.S. at this time. Of course, they are much stronger than Taiwan, right? But they are no match for U.S., especially on the high-end,、uh, you know, high-tech militaries.、Uh, I mean, weapons and also the navy and the air force. CCP is no match. They have they got a big、uh, army, which could do something. But in terms of、uh, the navy and the air force, w- which is crucial to whether they are able to cross this, to, you know, this、um, how to say, 150 miles,、uh, you know, water. And then those military force is very important. If the U.S. clearly, explicitly said we gonna come to protect Taiwan, CCP know that Taiwan is not cannot be taken. Okay, it's gonna be a f- failure because U.S. too powerful. So they would only how to say they would only wage war campaign. They will never wage military campaign. However, if the CCP really read. You know they are able to read that their opponent, in this case United States, you know is weak in its will and its determination. Then they think this is worth taking the risk. Okay. So based on this,、uh, you know, three phenomenon, you know, traces that I talked to, you,、uh, I shared with you earlier, I, I believe that、uh, those things CCP also observed. Okay. And then if they link up Taiwan with the Ukraine with Afghanistan, they would think there's opportunity, there's opening here. Okay. Although the military power of the U.S. is supreme, is is the number one in the world, but the commander in chief doesn't seem to be strong, so we could win them over. Okay, win win over a stronger rival. So,、uh, former Pri- Secretary of the State Pompeo said, "Weakness begets war." Right, and we all know that. And、uh, you know, originally, CCP dared not to attack Taiwan, but when they found out. Their op- opposite, their their opponent is so weak. What I mean is will in will. Then just remember that when when Taliban was just chasing after Americans, you know, out of the country and the you know, Afghanistan who are loyal to American、uh, American government, and then our powerful military dare not come in and take over, you know, two major airport, and just just evacuate in in orderly way. We didn't do that. We dare not to do it. Okay, when Poland want to send some Soviet-made、uh, fighter jet to Ukraine, and they just ask U.S. to you know just pass by, you know, pa- passing over for them, the U.S. was 
literally, I think, scared to the point of not, not to take the ball, not, not take the, the offer. And it, even today, U.S. dare not give Ukraine a one single tank. Because why? Because they are afraid of the upset Taliban and upset Russia. Now think about that. The two sides are at war, and you're afraid of the other side is not happy. How do you win the war, right? You don't win the war. And then you incur the, you would encourage your opponent to come in, come in through the opening, and take advantage of us. So because of this very reason, CCP saw this. That's why they are so strong. Their wording is so strong. As we, our administration, are careful, are very respectful, and the CCP was, uh, you know, just issued a high-pitched, you know, threat, and they're very strong. They said things like, uh, you know, the PLA, the People's Liberation Army, will not sit idly. They said, they said we're going to bury the incoming inv invaders, and they said uh, if Pelosi dare to come, we'll wait, we will wait and see what would happen. Okay. Why did he say all those strong words? Because they see that how, you know, the fear that in our government, in our military. So they wish to use this verbal threat to win without a fight. Okay. So actually, I do read, read from the media that, um, how to say, the naive, <laughs> our naive White House officials are guessing that is that the CCP hasn't figured out that we are a, like a three independent branches. We, White House, cannot, cannot manage or order or direct the Speaker of the House. Don't they know that? Is it because that both are you know, led by the Democrats, Democratic Party, so they misunderstood this, this is the meaning of the intention of the White House? It's not our you know, intention. My comment is, you know, just sum it up. This is just like a kid's, kid's thought. And it, it is not, how to say, it's like a joke, okay? I'm not, I'm not making this up, okay? The White House officials indeed are saying those, and which is reported by the media. CCP is not stupid at all. They couldn't possibly, not knowing the situation or say the, the independence of the Congress from the White House and vice versa. CCP is as cunning as a snake, okay? They are, they are absolutely not ignorant. They intentionally do this. Okay, they know that Biden cannot direct Pelosi, but it's still you know, threatening in such a way because they want to, through this kind of a drill, literally it's drill, use this kind of drill to train Americans into submission, to recognize what is CCP's red line. Okay, so anytime you touch our red line, you know, it's, re it's just non-negotiable. They want to tell the Americans that we are, we are so serious about this, are so strong at this. So from now on, you American, you America, okay, never touch my red line, okay. So that's their intention. But what is CCP's intention on Taiwan? Let me tell you, they have no red line. They have no red line. Why do I say this? Remember, in August of 2020, Trump sent his uh, um, his uh, minister of the health department, right, and uh, uh, yeah, Azar. Azar, if you remember, to visit Taiwan. And this is the first time an administrative official, high-level official visited Taiwan, okay? And then this hasn't happened in 50 years because when the U.S. and China established a foreign relationship, they, they have an agreement whereby, you know, non-official, administrative official shall have, have deal with the other side, interact with the other side. 
But President Trump just sent Azor over there in the open and uh, you know pretty open way, and then and he he visited uh, and met with the president of Taiwan and also you know show her he showed his sor- you know sorrow to the former president Li Denghui who just passed away and he called him the important leaders of the among the wave of the democracy in the 20th century. Those are all just nerve-poking, okay, to CCP. But did, what did the CCP do? Literally nothing. They just sent a few fighter jets, you know, across the midline on the Taiwan Strait, and then they flew back. That's the only thing they did. Why? Because they know how powerful American, you know, U.S. is, and they know how determined Trump is. So in that situation, they, they can only behave. They dare not to do anything. So in, in other words, they have no red line when they face a strong, strong America. So Trump already pushed the red line way over where Pelosi today. And uh, Secretary of the State Blinken today is still trying to convince CCP, CCP saying that uh, it's not the first time our Speaker of the House come. You know, 25 years ago, you know, the, the, you know that person came too. So indeed, you know, the red line that was pushed by Newt Gingrich is helping you know, Pelosi and the Blinken and the Biden today. But remember that Trump sent his, you know, HHS, right, health, uh, health and, um, um, yeah, his health minister, minister to Taiwan. And he even abolished this no administrative officials interaction rule by the State Department. 10, 11 days before the Biden t- took over, which is January 20th, um, 2021. However, you know, Biden after took over the power, you know, he just took the, sh- you know, the shackle that the Trump broke and uh, put it on his, his hand and the feet again. And then now he's, he's just walking by that, uh, you know, walking with that shackle. So Trump already pushed the red line much further and why, why do you give it up? Why do you want the red line that was left by Newt Gingrich, but you don't want the red line left by you know, President Trump? So basically, what I, what I see is behind this uh, Pelosi's visiting Taiwan or not, okay, between the power struggle behind this matter, it, it is we, the United States of America, keep yielding ground, keep back off our, moving back our red line, okay? to the point of uh, literally just let go of our position of the number one power in the world. And the CCP keep pushing their red line, okay? They want to turn Taiwan into something that the U.S. dare not to touch and dare not to support. If the Speaker of the House, our you know, United States, is so fearful for her just to come here, just visit this island, how can the U.S. You know, raise to support militarily when the real war happened, right? It's just very, very unlikely. So anyway, let, let me de- describe, in, summar- in summary, let me describe that uh, the mentality, the, 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 you know, the thought in the mind of the CCP. The conclusion is U.S. is indeed still very, very powerful, but this administration won't do, okay? If we really want to risk, you know, um, risk the war and then take over Taiwan, we got about 25 months time window, which is until 2024. Unfortunately, that's what they thought. All right. Okay. I don't know whether you agree with me, and uh, or whether you have any question. If you do, yeah, let me open it up. Yeah, just let me know, and uh, I can. Yeah. 
I just want to you know, talk to you guys and see what's your response. Hang on. Yeah, let me open it up. And uh, okay, so what do you think? This is, uh, this is my, my reading of the situation on that, that matter. If you have comments, I really want you to know. And if you don't, we'll move on to the next topic, which is, you know, it's old news, but it's very, very important to talk about. Yeah, really. Okay, so... Yeah, okay. Yeah, and uh, whole uh, heart retard uh, chicks, <laughs> retarded chicks, you said, uh, gonna make Nancy a hero either way. Yeah, I, I think, you know, yeah, I'm not saying that um, Hollis, you said, one joke way. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, yes, you know, her going there is good. It's good. It's very good. But uh, they could be stronger. And, um, and Marcus said, the way you are spot on. Thank you. Okay, let's talk about the next topic, which has, has to do with what do we do, you know, our, our life today. I think it's very important, right? And um, so mentioned, actually, uh, Joe mentioned the West Virginia senators, um, last um, four, four, days, four days ago, okay, gave his blessing uh, to the uh, Democratic-controlled um, you know, Senate to pass this law, which is called the Inflation Reduction Act. Okay? Soon the House will also pass that, and uh, President Biden will be signing that. They will you know, quickly pass this law, make that a reality before the midterm, which is uh, three months away. We've known that the Senator Manchin has been holding off on a few big spending bills in the past year, right? Citing the fear of uh, spending too much would, uh, you know, um, make the inflation worse. And that includes several versions of the Build Back Better initiative that was championed by President Biden, Senator Schumer, and the other Democratic, you know, Democrat leaders. So why did Manchin chose to pass this one? What has changed? So when the CNN host Jake Tabber asked him that question, he seems to be quite eager to answer that. He said, well, not an original word, but rough meaning. She said this, he said, this is a great bill, as it reduced the deficit by $300 billion. And the fund, the energy production, including the fossil fuel uh, energy production, which is very important to his state, West Virginia, right? So he even said, at a normal time, my Republican colleagues will be you know, rushing to support a bill like this. Okay, wow. So when, when this, that all sounds superb, right? So if it is really that good, then we don't have anything to worry about. Or do we? So let's open up this 725-page uh, bill, okay, and take a look. Well, not exactly. I don't have the time to go over 725 pages with all of you, but let's just go for the gist of it. So there are basically two portions to this bill, okay? One is the income part. Yes, we need the money to spend, right? When we pass any bill, we better have the money there. So the bill said, that on the income side, the bill says $740 billion will be generated through this act. How? There are four portions, okay? I'll talk about the three of them, the, the most important one. The first one is to enforce a 15% corporate minimum tax, okay? which the bill writer, author, claimed would generate $310 billion. The bill basically claims that although currently the minimum corporate tax is at 21%, many companies are able to do investment, okay, investment before they take, pay the tax. And the expense of such investment can be deducted from taxable income. Thus, the final taxable income, the tax rate, will be much lower. 
than 21%, okay? Or even lower than 15%. All right, so this bill requires a company with more than $1 billion revenue have to pay 15% anyway. This is the minimum tax, you have to pay that. Even you, you know, spend all the money, um, all your profit onto reinvestment, you still have to pay 15% before you do that, before you deduct those uh, expenses, investment, okay? So what is the consequence of this, folks? Okay, the first the business would make less such investment, right? Because the deduction can go only that, that much. So this enforcement takes take away a lot of motivation for business to reinvest. So 15% tax on corporate, uh, you know, uh, corporate book income is actually especially harmful to whom? Do you know? Manufacturing firms. All right. So. Right after this, uh, how to say, this blessing by the Joe Manchin, uh, and, and an analysis by Congress's uh, Joint Committee on Taxation, called JT, JCT, which is hardly a place of uh, you know, supply-siders. Supply okay, they are not conservative. They found that uh, 50%, precisely 49.7, 50% of the tax would hit U.S. manufacturers. Okay, and the National Association for Manufacturers said the tax in 2023 alone will reduce real GDP by $69 billion and cut labor income by $17 billion. Okay, this is, so this is the first thing. It, take, it demotivate the business from reinvesting. Okay, and, uh, and finally, it hurt the labor because you know, when the business is not booming, people don't have a salary. Okay, but they claim that this would generate $310 billion in extra revenue by the government. The second, allow Medicare to negotiate with drug companies on prescription drug price. Well, okay, what does that mean? Medicare, what is Medicare? Since there are more than 90 million Medicare beneficiaries, this so-called negotiation power is literally price control. How can they say no, right? 90 million clients. So in a free market like ours, we should clearly know the harm of a price control. Price control is bad, bad, bad. Okay, we learned this time again in the history. Even I, as you know, grew up in China, never went through any free economy until I came to the U.S. <clears throat> I read enough to, to understand that the price control never, you know, with all the good intention, literally, literally never deliver. Okay, okay, but the Bill Wright author said this is going to bring in $290 billion in saving, so $290 billion extra for the federal government. Well, that at work. That would never work because they're gonna raise the price. First, they're gonna raise the price so that you, you know, you're like a 30% negotiation, down negotiation will not generate, generate anything. The second, if they are able to indeed force the drug company to sell the drugs at a lower price, you know, they have to cut the R&D, okay? They won't have enough money to reinvest. So, you know, price control always deliver like this, okay? Something's too expensive, government, government coming in, saying that the you know, fixed price cannot grow anymore, and uh, the takeaway, just take out the productivity first, you know, the production, because there's not enough, you know, uh, benefit, to, profit to make. So, ended up, when the goods become, become in you know, short supply, the price will go up, but the price is fixed, so it'll go up in the black market. So it will cause a shortage of goods and a, you know, just um, um, <clears throat> spiking price in the black market. It just helped nothing. Let the free market work, please. Okay, anyway, 
they claim that this would generate $290 billion extra for the government. The third is the IRS, tax enforcement. Basically, it's just say, IRS got $80, $80 billion, okay, by just uh, doing tighter audit. And uh, while rich people can always hire their accountants to fend this off, you know, average American, they cannot. So anyway, but this idea is to just squeeze $124 billion from this so-called tax loophole. I don't know how, <laughs> how accurate that is, well, you know, where they got this $124 billion. And um, so, but anyway, in summary, what are those actions? They're not saving, right? Remember, they are not, they, they are not, they do not come from government spend less. Okay, government save so that we can reduce my deficit. They are literally just taxation, new tax, which would hurt the business. So we know that to tame inflation, right? The Fed is tightening and, uh, and the economy is close to recession. When that happened, when, when Fed is raising interest, we should have tax policy that works in the opposite direction to encourage investment, okay? To prevent recession from happening, to prevent the business from, you know, um, not investing. However, you know, this, in this, at this time, as the Fed raised the interest rate, we passed such new taxation bill. What will happen? This is the double blow to our economy. All right, so we talked about briefly about this, uh, you know, the income side. So altogether, $740 billion. The first come from this uh, minimum corporate tax. The second come from this uh, price control. The third come from this uh, IRS as tight, you know, more, more uh, stronger audit. Okay, let's talk about the spending side. There's a spending side. They're going to spend $430 billion. What do they spend? They spend on wind, solar, critical minerals, and uh, biofuels, hydrogen, carbon capture, nuclear, and so on and so forth. Basically, the green energy that's going to spend. Well, how far did it go? The automaker will get $20 billion in cheap federal loans to build clean vehicle, okay? Clean vehicle factories. So, and those uh, car companies, okay, they, they got to they get uh, $7,500 $7, uh, electronic car credit, okay? And that was this 200,000 up limit, which has been hit by GM, Tesla, and Toyota, okay? However, they want to lift it up. So those car companies, besides this $7,500, um, the credit, they got more from our tax, tax people, from our tax money. Understand, you know, do you know federal government is engaging things like this? The third, it allocated $40 billion for the so-called Green Venture Capital Fund. Run by whom? Run by our energy department. Again, we're talking about the federal government, a bureaucrat running such a big fund. Will that be efficient? Well, we've learned enough in the you know, recent history of our country. Anyway, the fourth one, they're going to extend the Medicare. It was set to expire this year. They're going to extend it by three years. For that, we're going to spend, the federal government will spend another extra $64 billion. So that's where all those spend come from. Okay, so now, how about Joe Manchin's claim of that, a claim that uh, the deficit reduction will be $300, you know, $300 billion. What does that come from? Remember, the taxation part, will raise $740 billion extra income. And then the spending is uh, you know, $430 billion, 
So you, you just you know, subtract the latter from the former, you got $300 billion. Okay, so that's where that come from. They just collect more money, raise the tax, and claim that's a, you know, that would reduce the deficit. So now the next question, what does this fossil fuel production that would benefit West Virginia come from? Well, basically it's about another bill, as agreement of uh, mentioned, blessing this bill, he got another bill as an, as an exchange. And the, that one was agreed upon to speed up the permitting, permitting of the fossil fuel. But the law is not even there. We don't know what's in it. Well, mentioned already, okay, this one. So now let's look at the name. The name is called Inflation Reduction Act, right? right? Inflation Reduction Act. Okay, um, there's this uh, organization called the Penn Wharton, University of Pennsylvania, the Penn, Wharton, Penn, the, the Penn Wharton, the Wharton Business School, the Penn Wharton Budget Model, okay, which Senator Manchin has been you know, known to watch, examined the details of this very law, this is the Inflation Reduction Act. And they found that it does not contain any net deficit reduction until five years later, 2027. This first finding they have, they said the impact on inflation okay, is statistically indistinguishable from zero through 2031. That's, their, you know, that's a quote from their word. Um, so they said, we don't agree with those who think a deficit Reduction leads in a straight line to lower inflation. Now, because we're trying to figure out where does the name come from, right? It's got an Inflation Reduction Act. How does, how does that happen? Okay, <clears throat> so the Penn Wharton business, um, the, the, yeah, the, the Penn Wharton model, okay, the budget model, models, they said um, the deficit reduction leads, does not lead directly to lower inflation, okay? But that's what still, that's what the Democrat claimed for the bill. If the first deficit reduction does not come for five years, which is 2027, right? Where is the help? What is the help on the inflation today, which we got 9.1 you know, last month? So, so it doesn't go there. But the bill is still called Inflation Reduction Act because inflation is a catchy word, so be it. Well, okay, so the conclusion of that organization said at the best there will be an insignificant effect on inflation. At the worst, it will push inflation higher and further erode Americans' families' spending power. So that's kind of the conclusion. But still, they call it Inflation Reduction Act. No matter what the fact is, they just dress it up with something they want. So somebody changed the name. They, they said this shall be called the Business Investment Reduction and Distortion Act. Do you agree? So this is about the mention. Am I late? Maybe you already know that. So I just want to know how you think. And um, Okay, and RSS commentary, you said, it sounds like we can get everyone to agree on single-issue bill amendment. So each bill only have one issue rather than the omnibus. We can also agree to balance the budget, all right? And he also wrote that, I would say we need to stop the government from abusing the interstate commerce clause. And marijuana grow in state and smoked in state is not interstate commerce, nor is it a public health threat. All right, yeah, indeed, that's a different topic, right? The um, cross-state, how to say, the trans-state or interstate commerce clause is very much abused. Back then by the FDR, and then later, you know, throughout 
the time of Supreme Court. And uh, hopefully we can correct that down the road, especially with uh, the new Supreme Court. And first I want to ask you, so what do you think about the Supreme Court? How confident are you with them? Okay, including like the right or wrong decision that the Supreme Court in the, in the previous uh, few decades. If you are confident with them, what's the percentage? 100%? 80? 50? 30? What do you think? If you, if you don't mind, can you just leave your, you know, your appraisal there? Because I want to know how you think. Okay, and Mark Sommer, you wrote that, build back batteries, build back bread lines. Okay, well, yep. And um, yeah, so, and the Larry Dole, you said, every Democrat-sponsored bill is always magical. Mysteriously, somebody else is going to pay for this bill. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Um, I agree. I came from China, right? I came from China. I see how socialism worked, or, or say I see how socialism doesn't work. It just does not work. It takes out the motivation for people to work hard, to create. Everybody just sit there, and uh, just because there's nothing worth chasing after anyway. It doesn't work. After humankind took up this experiment with the socialism and the communism for over one century, this great America, United States of America, still want to go through this, this, this miser miserable experiment again. That's what our young people, they are you know, going after. Yeah. So unbelievable, okay, to me. But I also understand where this comes from, okay. The young people, they are, they are just, yeah, they are, they are tricked. They are brainwashed in the public schools. They have no sense of what is the reality, what is right and what is wrong. And that's why we have this program. That's why, you know, Kathy and I have been working day and the night on educating and, um, and informing, okay, including this very program. Okay, thank you very much. That will be for today. Yeah, and Hollis, uh, no joke today. Maybe next time. Okay, I'll be yeah preparing for that next time. All right, thank you for staying with us tonight, and um, have a great night. I see you tomorrow. Bye bye.